Judge, you are getting ready to retire as a judge. Why don't we look back a little bit and tell me a bit about your career, your legal background, and what brought you to this point? Well, I think I can easily summarize my background. Um, I started off as a, uh, an attorney for a utility in Cleveland. I worked as the uh, labor management side uh, labor lawyer. Uh, and then later on, uh, I ended up uh, representing unions uh, with a firm later on. So I've represented both sides in labor relations and, and employment law. Uh, in between those two, I was a general counsel of a oil and gas company uh, that was uh, located in Lorain, Ohio, and was on the National Stock Exchange. And I did that for three to f- uh, four years, I believe. Did a lot of traveling. And we had uh, we developed oil and gas throughout the whole country, and I was uh, the general counsel. Uh, the firm moved to Houston. I was not interested in leaving Cleveland, so I stayed in Cleveland and went with the firm that represented uh, the company, Ardern Haddon, and I was with them for a number of years. Uh, and then I was on my own, and then with another law firm. And at that law firm. Uh, where I was representing unions, I also did uh, personal injury plaintiff side, personal injury law. And I went to a seminar on um, mortgage fraud because I was interested in that. I was representing some people pro bono uh, to get bankruptcy uh, clearance, and I noticed that a lot of these houses that they bought it just didn't seem right with these mortgages. So I saw this conference, and uh, I went, and someone stood up and said, I work at the prosecutor's office, and we're trying to hire someone to do mortgage fraud prosecutions. If you're interested, contact Bill Mason. So I did, got the job, left my firm uh, with the prosecutor's office for six years doing um, uh, mortgage fraud prosecutions and major trials. And um, after six years, I decided to run for judge, uh, and here I am six years later. Where did you go to college and law school, and what made you decide, I want to be an attorney? I went to college at Ohio University. I graduated, uh, and I got two letters in the mail uh, in my senior year. One was uh, acceptance to law school, and the other was my draft notice. It was uh, the beginning of the Vietnam War, uh, and uh, I could not get any deferments. They said, all your deferments were up, and you're going to get drafted. They didn't seem too interested in my law school acceptance, and they said, uh, "We're gonna, you know, it's your time." Uh, I needed another hour or two to graduate, so I had to go to summer school. They weren't interested in giving me a deferment, so I needed to uh, figure out a different way to solve this problem. <clears throat> I took my physical. I decided I did not want to join the army. Uh, I walked down to the Marine Corps recruiting station, which was located on the same floor. And I said, I have a problem. Can you help me? And they said, sit down, young man. I think we can work this out. Uh, So I joined. Uh, I was in the officer training program, which was going to start six months later, which enabled me the opportunity to finish college, have a couple of months off. And I went to uh, OCS boot camp uh, in um, Quantico, Virginia. Uh, 30-some weeks later, I was on a plane to Vietnam as a second lieutenant served there for 13 months, came back, stationed in Chicago, finished my four-year tour, uh, and uh, then I went to law school at Chicago, Kent Law School uh, in Chicago, graduated with honors, and came to Cleveland uh, because my wife, whom I just married, 
had a position as the first full-time female law professor at Case Law School, and so if I wanted to remain married, I came, to, uh, came from Chicago to Cleveland, been here ever since. Tell us briefly about the Veterans Treatment Court that you preside over and why this is so important. Well, when I decided to run for uh, judicial office, uh, my main reason was I wanted to start a Veterans Treatment Court. Uh, there was one with the city of Cleveland that was operating. There was not one for the county or the felony courts uh, for a common police court, and I wanted to start one. I was the only veteran who was running, I believe, uh, and there were no veterans on the bench. I felt pretty strongly about that. I'd been recently very active with Veterans Affairs uh, since I, I came to Cleveland maybe in the last 10, 15 years. And um, I just thought that was important. I also thought that I was ready to be a judge. Uh, I worked for the prosecutor's office. I'd been in private practice. I tried a number of lawsuits. So tell us what a person has to do to get into Veterans Treatment Court. What are the requirements? Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to uh, be charged with a felony, and you're assigned one of the judges, and at some point during that process, uh, you're made aware of the fact that there's a veterans treatment court. We have a screening process so that we know all the veterans on our felony dockets. I can, uh, there's a report that comes out uh, updated daily. So I know how many veterans there are in our system. And then we look at the nature of the charges and make sure that they are aware of Veterans Treatment Court. It's voluntary. So we'll work with the attorney, we'll work for the judge, uh, and we'll work with the judge's bailiffs. So we'll go into the courtroom and identify those veterans, let the people know, the uh, parties know that they're eligible, and then explain the criteria to transfer. And we can transfer prior to a plea or after a sentence, even on probation, we'll accept them into Veterans Treatment Court. So you have to be on probation as a result of your uh, resolution of the case. So if you're going to go to prison, we'll wait for that veteran to be released from prison. Then uh, if they're placed on uh, parole, as people know it is called post-release control, then we'll bring it, try to bring them back into our court uh, after prison. But for those placed on probation, uh, then and they are willing to volunteer, then they can come into Veterans Treatment Court. Are there any cases in Veterans Treatment Court that have really resonated with you as a judge and a veteran? Well, there are a number that come to mind, uh, but one, I think, uh, because it was early on and the circumstances were, uh, at least at that time, at least memorable to me. It was a veteran who um, had an 80% disability from the VA, maybe it was 100%, but he was receiving two to $3,000 a month. Uh, for uh, the uh, problems that he had that were service-related. So he didn't need to work. So he was making twenty, twenty dollars to $30,000 a year uh, or receiving that. His uh, family had moved to Florida and left him a house fully paid for. So he had very few expenses um, and a decent amount of money. And he had been drinking for 30 years. He was an absolute total alcoholic. And the reason he was in Veterans Treatment Court is because he had been hit with a DUI once too often, and the judge said, you're either going to prison or you can volunteer for Veterans Treatment Court. And so he chose to volunteer for Veterans Treatment Court. And he came in on that basis. Um, 
Uh, he had no social skills. He didn't interact with people. He stayed alone, and all he did was drink. Had no hobbies, had no interests other than drinking, and everything else was paid for. Decent guy, but he had never stopped drinking. Um, one year later, he graduated from Veterans Treatment Court with no violations, and he's now uh, active in the community. He provides volunteer services to his friends and neighbors. Uh, a lot of them are elderly. And he started a little business doing the same thing. He had never gone to any treatment facilities or any engagement with his alcohol. Now he is uh, a mentor or sponsor to others. And um, uh, when his, uh, his graduation came, his mother came up from Florida and uh, was extremely proud of him, as we all were. Um, that is a success story. I don't think that would have happened. And he says, quite frankly, that would never would have happened but for Veterans Treatment Court. He was given specific things he had to accomplish. And the thing that's different about Veterans Treatment Court than other courts is that that connection to the military, even if it's different times, some are combat, some are not, um, and that connection to other people who are in the military brings back that camaraderie that existed during the service. And that, coupled with the mentors, enabled him to complete that program successfully, and he is uh, one of our sort of model graduates. He is by far not the only one. That's just one of the many stories that I could really tell you that are very meaningful uh, to me and to others to see that happen. Do you feel that in your one term as a judge, you were able to accomplish what you set out to do? Yes. Um, uh, my first year on the bench, I spent a lot of time talking to other judges about it. Other judges uh, helped me in that regard. So the first year was sort of getting it organized. We got it organized. We wrote all of the uh, necessary uh, documents that the Supreme Court requires. We got certified. We started in May of 2015. Uh, we now have by far the largest veterans treatment court in the state of Ohio, which has a number of veterans. I think Ohio is the fifth largest veteran community. In the, in the states. Uh, we have by far the largest veterans treatment court. We have two uh, probation officers who are veterans. Uh, we have almost 100 people in veterans treatment court. Um, our court has been recognized by uh, the uh, 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 Drug Court Association uh, professionals who focus on mental health and drug courts. Uh, and Veterans Treatment Courts. We've been honored uh, to present uh, a lessons learned at one of the seminars, and I've gotten two national awards for Veterans Treatment Court judge, uh, all because of the effects of others our Veterans Treatment Court. So we've done what we need to do to be recognized in our community and, uh, and across the nation. So I'm very pleased with, with what's happened, and all of that has come about because of the Veterans Treatment Court team, not just me. As your retirement approaches, and you look back on when you started practicing law in the early 1970s, uh, how has it changed for the better or even for the worse? Um, it's hard to get a, a good uh, sense of that over that much time, because I've had a number of different rewarding experiences as an attorney, um, but by far the most rewarding of all of it has been 
uh, my time on the bench. Um, um, most of what I do is the result of 35 years of practice to uh, be in the situation to, to handle the cases that are presented to me. And uh, I think one of the things that I've learned most about all of this is to be patient, listen to people. Uh, I, I don't try to preach to people from the bench. I don't view that as my role or my job. Um, and I know that I have a significant amount of authority over people's lives. Uh, and the question is, how do you use that authority and, uh, and trying to figure out the best solution to problems, particularly in criminal cases? Generally speaking, about a third of the cases, they're so serious, you know they're going to go to prison. Another third of the cases are not the type of case that you would put someone in prison. Uh, and you put them on probation for various terms and conditions. And the balance are the really tough cases where you really have to weigh what is the best situation for that person. And I remember after I was just elected, I was standing in a line. Some, I think I was drinking my driver's license, and someone said to me, I saw your picture. Did you run for judge? And I said, yes. And he said, well, did you win? And I said, yes. And he said, congratulations, and all the people kind of were listening to this conversation because the guy was kind of loud. And finally, someone uh, sits in the back of the line said, well, put them all in prison, judge. And I'm sitting there, and they're all looking at me as to how I'm going to respond to this person. I had no idea what I was going to say. I was just trying to get my driver's license renewed. And it just came to me and said, only those who need to go, I'll put them in prison. And everybody clapped because that's what I think they want out of a judge, to make the right decision for the right reasons, for the right situation, not to lock people up just because there's a prison someplace. Uh, and that's, that's how I've tried to operate on the criminal side and on the civil side, the same, but dealing with very different issues. So it's been very rewarding. What advice would you have for a young lawyer or somebody considering a legal profession? I think two things. Go to the best law school where you can be near the top of your class, not the best law school that everybody else thinks you should go to. So it's best to be, uh, if it's a mediocre law school and you can be in the top of the class, I would suggest you go there, or an average law school, rather than uh, a name law school and you're going to be at the bottom of the class. Uh, number two is you really want to be a lawyer. You just don't want to have a law degree to figure out your options to go this way or to go that way. You want to be a lawyer, whether it's a transaction lawyer, whether it's a family lawyer or a trial lawyer. That's what you want to do. That's why you should go to law school. Judge Michael Jackson, anything else that you would like to add that we haven't talked about? No. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.